Welcome everybody to the Mongols preview show. I'm Justin Ashcraft. <clears throat> With me is Steve Matias. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and the Beautiful Game Network. Tonight we are going to break down the stats of the first place Riverhounds. Matchup with Atlanta United 2, Saturday at 7 p.m. for the final home game of the regular season. Listen, if you haven't been to a game and you want to catch the Hounds live before the playoffs, you need to be at Highmark on Saturday night. So call now, grab your tickets. Steve, what a week. What a week. I am still riding on cloud nine from uh, the environment at the stadium on Saturday night. Um, I mean, from the moment that Nico's goal went in, it was just like pure euphoria from there on out and then just got better and better and better. Um, I mean, I was hanging out in the uh, in the parking lot uh, afterwards, uh, talking to Mike and Tammy, and just like it was just a blast. And then Josh and Liz showed up, and a bunch of other people showed up, and I mean, we were just like, I mean, so much fun being there, celebrating the win, and then uh, had a great time. Uh, we're recording uh, on Wednesday night. So we had a great time last night. Uh, I had about 30 people out at Piper's uh, for an impromptu watch party uh, to see the win over Loudon. And that was just great, too. I mean, uh, to see the way that the boys made that comeback and made that comeback quickly after going down the goal was just fantastic. So um, I'm just feeling great and feeling great about everything I'm seeing from the Hounds. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a way to, I mean, go in and, and just sort of tell Indy, like, nope, we're here, like... Sorry, um, and then be able to come back and and even though you you played a lot of games in a in a very quick short of time you know span of time, um, be able to kind of muster what you need to in the second half against Loudon and come back and win that game. I mean, what a wow! Um, so the Hounds have jumped into first place in the East, taking six points obviously against Indy and Loudon United over the last week. Um, so let's take a. Take a trip back before we look forward. Um, the last time we played Atlanta, uh, we had gone down there. Um, at the time, we were at two wins. We had tied seven times, and then we had lost twice. Um, so in the first 11 games of the season, the Hounds had only had 13 points. Um, 13 out of 33, which was not great. Uh but we turned it around in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, and if if you guys all remember, I mean, at that point, <clears throat> Mike, Josh, and Kev were discussing, is this going to be possibly a turning point of the season? And the consensus was, well, yeah, that was a big 5-0 win at Atlanta, but... Um, but you don't know. Like, we've got to see what happens after that. And see what happens after that, we did. Um, so comparing those 13 points uh, in those first 11 games, the Hounds have gained 48 out of their past 60 points, um, which is just insane. So uh, so in those first 11 games, they were at 1.18 points per game. Um, and now on the season, they're sitting at 1.97 points per game. So massive, massive change in... Uh, in how well the Hounds have looked on paper if you're just looking at standings at that point versus this point without any context in between. I know, for sure. And I think there, I mean, there's something we won two out of our first 11 games, and then we won 15 out of our next 20. Um, yeah. it, like, that's just, that's unbelievable. We tied three, we've lost twice. So in the first 11, we lost mm -hmm. twice. And then in the second 20, we lost twice. So it's right. just amazing kind of what we've done since 
uh, we've been here and how we've kind of turned the season around, I think is just an incredible, incredible mm-hmm. run that we've been on. Yeah, I mean, I think we can talk about what this defense is capable of, but I think the big difference is we've turned a lot of those ties into wins instead. Um, and that's where it's really made the biggest difference. So we went from seven ties to three in the next 20 games. Yeah. That's a huge change in uh, in what goals we were giving up or when we weren't scoring. Yeah, and some of that was... Some of that, I think, was Nico finding some form. Some of that was, uh, like, I think that was around the time that Steven Dos Santos kind of slotted in behind Nico um, and -hmm. started that sort of formation that we've seen pretty consistently since then. And I think, so all those things, I think, um, kind of fell together in that game. Um, And obviously, we put goals on the board, so Mm -hmm. that will always help your uh, that will always help the morale around the team. But I think it's just been a lot of things have started fitting. That was about the time that Kyle uh, sort of turned his season around and started getting some clean sheets and things. So I think, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride, but um, this team's on form for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit then about this matchup versus Atlanta. Um, so uh, to start off... Um, uh, we can talk about Atlanta and their playoff chances, but um, I think one of the things that's important to look at is that Atlanta is a team that has been playing pretty well as of late. Um, there are three teams uh, in all of USL uh, who have not lost in their past five games. Um, so I think anybody that's paying attention knows that we're one of them. Uh, Louisville is the other one, um, along with Atlanta. So Atlanta is not uh, the same team maybe that they were a little earlier in the season. They're finding ways uh, to not lose games. So that is something that I think I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. What do they do? How do they line up? But, I mean, I'm still confident that um, the Hounds are the better team. Um, Atlanta has a pretty slim hope for the playoffs at this point as well. Um so their eight wins, 16 losses, and seven draws leaves them sitting at 31 points. Um, so there are a few places outside of 10th. Uh, right now, Birmingham and Charleston are battling it out for that 10th spot in the East um, at 39 points. So basically what that means is Atlanta needs all nine of their points the remainder of the way, uh, and they need those two teams uh, each to gain no more than one point, um, to even have a chance. And that doesn't even consider uh, Memphis slotted in between them in there as well. So um, they've got a big, big, big task ahead of them. I mean, basically at this point, they're all but mathematically eliminated. Yeah, and one of the things that this says to me is I think we've seen teams in the top five, top six, top seven, who over the last month have struggled with teams who are outside of playoff lines i mean atlanta obviously has not dropped a game in five and several of those games have been um have been against top five opponents they've gotten wins against top five opponents they've gotten draws against playoff you know playoff teams um and so i think that this for me games like loudon games like atlanta are key games for the river hounds to one if they can because they are definitely the superior team um there's no denying that be able to, like they did on Tuesday, get some guys some rest and be able to go in with maybe a A- minus or a B-plus lineup. Um, that, but also make sure that you're able to take care of your results in those games. That you're not at the expense of getting some guys some rest, dropping points. Um, and so I think that it's not a game that the Riverhounds can overlook. It's not a game that the Riverhounds can look past and think, oh... We have, uh, you know, we have 
a harder matchup coming next weekend, um, which is true. We do, but um, we can't be thinking that way yet. We have to think we have to get Atlanta first, and then we can think about St. Louis the next weekend. Um, and so I think it's it's one of those games that I think we have to stay focused despite the quality between the two teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Hounds. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about where we're sitting coming into this game. Yeah, so obviously we're sitting in first place, which is awesome. Um, this has been a great run. Um, our shutout streak of, of seven games was ended against Loudon, obviously. But not a big deal at all. I mean, I think we are sitting there. We have 698 minutes in that streak between the last goal that uh, North Carolina scored in that 5 nothing game um, and then Loudon's goal. Um, 698 minutes, so almost 700 minutes that we went without giving up a goal. That's the second longest streak um, in USL Championship history. Uh, even if you think, oh, we gave up a goal. We've given up one goal in the last eight games. Um, so we now lead the league with 15 clean sheets. Um, before the Loudon game, we had had a clean sheet in half our games, 15 out of 30. Um, now it's 15 out of 31, so we can get back to that halfway mark uh, with a shutout this weekend if we can get there. Uh, more importantly, I think we there was a lot of talk early in the season about how Kyle wasn't as good, how he's leaking goals, how he's like whatever. Uh, he's two behind the league leader with 11 clean sheets. So um, Phoenix <clears throat> Rising keeper Zach Lubin has uh, 13 clean sheets. Kyle Morton has 11. I think that's a pretty incredible. I mean, I think that's a pretty incredible run that we're on. Yeah, absolutely. I also look at that. I mean, I think the most important thing that you talked about there is that we've given up one goal in eight games. So uh, I don't really care how long that uh, that shutout streak was as much as I care that we've played eight games and given up one. That shows strength in the defense, that we're just not letting many chances get there. Um, so it takes something special to beat this defense, and that's great to see. And I don't have any reason to think that that won't be the case down the stretch. Yeah, and some of this is definitely down to Kyle, but I think when you're looking at Joe Greenspan, when you look at Toby Adewale, you're looking at mm-hmm. Tommy Spanky-Zeal, you're looking at Todd Pratzner over the last couple of games. I mean, these guys just aren't, they're, they're not giving up anything, you know, and, right. and it's not something that... Um, you know, I, I remember several times in the indie game, I mean, they were, they're sending crosses into the box and Joe was just eating everything up. Like every time the ball came in the box, Joe was getting his head on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just nothing that, that Indy could do to complete crosses. And I think that that's just a testament to this defense. Um, the focus they have, the grit that they have as they're coming down this home stretch of the season, uh, it shows Lily's like experience. I think it's, it says something when Louisville and Pittsburgh are two of the teams who haven't lost in the last five games. Like, mm-hmm. these are experienced playoff teams who know how to get it done toward the end of the season. Um, yeah. Let's talk about a couple of players real quick. Canardo uh, Forbes, USL Player of the Week, honors, which is awesome, uh, yep. for his two-goal performance against Indy, which is actually his first ever brace. So, mm-hmm. pretty cool um, stat for him. Pretty cool thing that he... Uh, did was not in the starting lineup against Loudon on Tuesday, but you saw immediately when he came on the field how that game changed. Um, you've got some stats that show how good he's been this season. Well, yeah, I mean, so uh, for the Hounds, I mean, he's been involved in 13 of our goals. Um, so he has 
<clears throat> he scored four, but more importantly, he's assisted nine. Um, uh, but more than that even is the number of chances that he's created. He's now sitting at 68. That's seventh best in the league overall. Um, uh, and it's more than the next two players on the Hounds roster uh, behind him combined. Um, so, I mean, he is just so important to making the offense uh, tick and making the offense go forward. Um, and like you said, yeah, I mean, there was an immediate change when he came into the game. Um, I mean, Bob didn't wait very long uh, after we gave up the goal to bring Kenny in and then all of a sudden within 10 minutes we were back ahead and you saw it because of him and his distribution I loved his quote after the game uh against Indy where they somebody asked him about the goal his second goal uh which was not the prettiest one but the second one and he did that little drag move and then and then found the opposite side netting and uh, I think he called it his high school move, and then Brett. I think actually Nico confirmed that. Yeah. Yeah, and then Brett was like, "Oh yeah, that's his high school move." Um, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny that he was able to uh, pull out something from high school uh, in a USL championship <laughs> game and get a goal off of it. That was pretty yeah, pretty slick. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not to belabor the point, I just, oh man, I I could go on and on about those goals in that indie game, but I mean, you say it wasn't the prettiest goal, but it was a pretty nice goal. It was goal. a pretty nice and goal. And it only right. wasn't his prettiest goal because the one before it was just phenomenal. Because he just scored a banger from 25 yards. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> Which showed up an absolute rocket from Brett earlier in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it felt like, part of it felt like Kenny and Nico were standing over that ball uh, when Nico scored his free kick. And Canardo was like, oh, you didn't let me take that one? Fine. I'll just score one in a run of play instead of <laughs> off of a free kick. You know, whatever. And I'm better than you. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Nico Brett. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Nico. Uh, Nico has 12 uh, goals on the season. So, he scored in both games. Scored the one uh, amazing, unbelievable free kick um, against Indy. Uh, scored again against Loudon. Um, so along with his five assists, along with those 12 goals, he's had five assists. Um, so he's been a part of 17 goals this season. So I think for both those guys, both Kenny and Nico, it shows how important they are to this team. Um, that over, you know, both of them for over 10 of the goals um, that the Riverhounds have, they've been involved in. Um, and, you know, both of them put in tireless work on the field too to make sure they're getting into positions and creating things for other players and and doing things. So when you see a striker who has 12 goals and five assists, I think that's a pretty good stat. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you look at the leading scorers from other teams and you see they might have 12 goals. Right. And then they have two assists or an assist. Um, So it's like pretty amazing that he's had five assists um, with his 12 goals. And I think the other thing you see when you're looking at some of those other teams is you don't see somebody chasing him right behind like Dos Santos, mm-hmm. um, who is, I mean, nipping at Brett's heels. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, any other season, you know, they might be inverted in who's leading. So it's not just that uh, we don't have the guy that's at the top of the stats, but it's that we got two guys that are making a big difference on the front line um, with an absolute stud in Kenny Forbes uh, behind them, uh, contributing to a lot of the chances that they're taking. So, um, so um, though we can talk a lot about uh, Canardo Forbes and uh, his impact on the game, uh, Atlanta is not a pushover when it comes to uh, their distribution. Um, so Jack Metcalf, uh, he's actually tied with Kenny uh, for passes on the season with uh, uh, 
1,652. Um, so, I mean, that is definitely something you're going to need to look out for. He's a guy that's on the ball a lot. Um, my take on that is if we shut him down, we shut down uh, a lot of their opportunities. Yep. I think that's true. Um, I think the other interesting thing about Atlanta as a team, they actually have the most yellow cards uh, in the league. Um, so they've had 78 yellow cards this season. Um, a lot of card. They're getting a lot of cards. Have a lot of fouls. Um, some of that just shows when you have a when you have a two team, an MLS two team. A lot of times, it's a lot of young kids that are playing. It's not. Um, it's not your veterans. It's not your 31 year old Canardo mm-hmm. Forbes. It's not your 31 year old Kevin Kerr's on the field. It's your 18, 19, 20 year olds who might be a little more inexperienced. Um, might not be as good as making sure they're clean tackling and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be interesting to see how maybe some of these veterans who play for the Riverhounds can get, um, you know, in the head of some of these guys uh, on the Atlanta side this this Saturday. Yeah, um, and and we've talked about this before, but just want to reiterate um, that they're third in the league with those yellow cards, and we're still sitting down at last in the league. So we have given up. Uh, just over half as many as them. Yep. Um, so, I mean, big difference. Um, big and, difference. And that's just a great thing to see. I mean, uh, so expect to see a few yellow cards from Atlanta and probably not more than maybe one from us because we don't tend to give up more than one a game. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty stinking close. 38 in, uh, in uh, 31 games. So, yeah. Um, and then the other thing, just other stats about Atlanta. Um Atlanta's hard. We've talked about this teams that are uninteresting to look at. I mean, their scores are pretty even across the board. Kind of everything's kind of pretty low, pretty mediocre across the board. So just a couple stats to pull out. But they've got 71 goals conceded on the season, which is third worst in the league. The only team worse than them in the Eastern Conference is Hartford. Um, So when you talk about their goalkeepers, Dylan uh, Castanjera has given up 50 goals in only 18 starts. Brendan Moore, their other keeper, has given up 12 goals in his nine starts. So not good. Um, and I think this tells me guys like Nico, um, it might be a good game to try to send Christian out there and see if he can find some sort of form um, before the playoffs. That These guys, we're going to have chances to score. We're going to have mm-hmm. some chances to score. And whether we can make the most of those or not is yet to be seen, but hopefully Mm -hmm. we can make the most of those. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's about all we can talk about about Atlanta. I mean, (laughs) like you said, they're not that exciting of a team. The most thing we're talking about is they got one guy that can pass a lot, but nothing happens (laughs) with that. And uh, they they give up a lot of fouls and give up a lot of goals. So, not very exciting. Not very exciting. Um, so let's take a look then uh, at what's happening uh, in the race for uh, both the top four and the race for first. Um, so uh, it's been established for a little while now that the Hounds are in first place uh, and they have every advantage to hold on to first place. Um, if we win our next three games, uh, nobody can catch us. Uh, and that will put us in a position where we're second best in the league uh, overall in both conferences. Um, we can't catch... Um, uh, where Phoenix is at, they've already got more points than we could ever get to uh, with our three games left. Um, but uh, the more important thing is that the Hounds are a win away on Saturday from definitively hosting a playoff game. Uh, so we only need three points. Um, uh, and with 
The reason that is, uh, if everybody has not paid attention to the scoreboards, is Ottawa just took out Indy uh, 1-0 uh, just a few minutes ago. Um, and so what that means is that um, some of the teams that we have left, uh, their max number of points are getting really low. Um, and throw in the fact that Indy and Tampa Bay still have yet to play each other one more time down in Tampa Bay. So one of those teams cannot get the maximum points uh, available on the board, uh, if not both of them, if it ended in a tie. Um, so yeah, if the Hounds get to 64 points, they guarantee themselves a home playoff game. That's one win. Um, but more importantly, uh, we can get that first place just by winning out, regardless of what else happens. Um, Nashville could obtain a total of 67 points, and they're the team that would end up in second if we win out and they win the rest of their games. Um, but they don't have an easy schedule left uh, either. They've still got uh, North Carolina and Louisville uh, in back-to-back -back games, uh, which are both teams that are trying to push up into the top uh, six or five Um uh, yeah, I mean, a lot's going to happen, I think. There are some interesting matchups. Um, for me, I'm going to be watching that Nashville and uh, Louisville game, uh, and I'm also going to be watching that Tampa Bay and Indy game because uh, those are going to be huge in terms of the final standings. Yeah, and I think just a couple things to kind of pull out of um, just kind of what's happening uh, over across the league. Um, St. Louis is actually a team that could have a lot of impact uh, as we go down this stretch here. Mm -hmm. um, St. Louis has three games left all against top seven opponents. So they play Louisville, Pittsburgh, and North Carolina. Um, I think the other team that could potentially do a lot or fail miserably real quickly um, is North Carolina. North Carolina also has three games left, and their games are against New York Red Bull, Nashville, and St. Louis. So very quickly, those two teams kind of sitting uh, in those playoff spots, trying to avoid the 7-10 through 10 playoff round. Um, trying to claw back in and match Louisville for points um, to kind of crawl back into that area. They could both have a big effect on kind of what happens um, as we go down the stretch. Like we said, Tampa and Indy both play each other, so neither of them can get to their max number of points uh, based on that result. But for both of them, that's the last game they have against anybody who's in the playoff, kind of playoff mm -hmm. contention. So they both have... Uh, sort of easy schedules um, kind of rounded out after that uh, where everybody else has two or three games against teams in playoff contention. So it's going to be an interesting end of the season, I think. Um, Birmingham is another team that could have some impact. They have yep. games against the Red Bulls and Pittsburgh. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how kind of this season shakes out. Um, hopefully we'll have a really good kind of definition um, on Monday after this game with a few more of these results coming in as to what the playoff picture is going to look like and maybe mm -hmm. um, if we have to get max points in our last two games or if we can um, drop a game here or there or whatever. So we'll see We'll see what happens uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, and so you talked about teams that are likely in the playoff picture that are going to make some waves um, potentially. Um, but I think we also can't forget about Atlanta and Memphis. They also both have two games against top uh, seven opponents as well. So um, there's just so many meaningful matches left um, in the next three weeks that uh, it, there's going to be a lot of changes. I expect some of these teams in the top five in particular uh, to drop some more points. Um, uh, and that's going to change things even more. It's going to get more and more uh, defined uh, if one team can uh, really put their foot down and just uh, go for 
for wins in, in their last few games and the other teams start dropping points. So exciting finish to the season for sure. Um, uh, and I'm just wishing I had a little bit more time to pay more attention to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It'd be nice if we could just sit and watch soccer all day um, right, right, or right. whatever. Life but responsibilities, but let me do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have to, we have to do other things. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting end of the season. I think it's, it's worth keeping just keeping an eye on the on the score sheets as things come in, um, and and there's just some interesting games left. So uh, as you're as you're kind of watching the scoreboard over the next four to four to five days, uh, Louisville um, plays Nashville this weekend, and New York Red Bull play North Carolina. So those are kind of the two games this weekend, uh, and then next weekend we get the big matchup between Indy and Tampa Bay. So. Uh, keep an eye on New York and North Carolina and then Louisville and Nashville this weekend, um, other than the Riverhounds. So uh, thank you so much to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network. Go check us and other podcasts out at bgn.fm. You can find us at Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a review. You can contact us online at Mongols on Facebook and Twitter and Mongols Pod on Instagram. Let us know what you think of shows, what you think of the Riverhounds being in first place, and uh, we love hearing from you guys. So until next time, have a great day. Ciao.